Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. A couple episodes ago, I released a title called Interrupting Habitual Patterns. Now, that was all about interrupting these natural patterns that we've fallen into and bringing our conscious awareness to play on these patterns. Now, most of the time, these these habits, these habitual patterns occur at the other than conscious level. Many times we're not even aware when the pattern starts. We might be observing it in the middle of it, but we don't know how it happened, how it began. We're kind of passively observing. We're not actively engaged. And some of these habits work for us and some of them don't. Some of them could be better. And so on the previous episode, I introduced the idea of a pattern interrupt. So what is a pattern interrupt? I explained that it is anything that you do that is different than the pattern that you're currently engaged in. Let me give you a couple metaphors to kind of illustrate this. If you have a CD disc or a DVD or a vinyl album, that information is coded, the sound, the video is coded as a pattern in the media and then read by a laser or read by a magnetic needle. Now, I realize that I'm talking to people from all different age ranges, and so many of you have never experienced a vinyl album but I'm using that metaphor to appease people that are in the same age group as me. We've been exposed to all three, but most of us have that ready reference when we were younger of having an album that was scratched and it never quite played the same again. So like I said, the recording is patterned into the medium. It's read by a laser and it will repeat it again and again in the same way every time. That's the beauty of it. But if that media gets scratched, is damaged in some way, that pattern will never, ever play the same again. Another example of this is if you're in a deep conversation with somebody and you're just trading back and forth ideas and it's just sparking along, and then you realize, or one of you realizes, I need to go to the bathroom. I've been sitting here and I've been holding it forever because I don't want to stop this conversation, but I need to go. So one of you gets up and goes to the bathroom, comes back five minutes later and sits down. And you ask each other, what were we talking about? It's hard to actually re-engage with the conversation exactly where you were, where you left off, because that pattern of communication was interrupted. The moment was interrupted. Now, if you're a human being, you probably have had the experience of having an idea to go in the other room And then once you get there, you stand there wondering, why did I come in here? What was I coming after? What did I need? This experience occurs for me because I'm sitting in my office. I'll get an idea. I'll go downstairs. And once I get downstairs, I'm in a different environment. I don't have the same stimuli that was uh, stimulating the idea to go into the other room. My thought process was probably interrupted by one of the kids or the, the animals or And I arrive down in the kitchen or I arrive in the living room wondering, why did I come downstairs? What was my original purpose? 
And so what I need to do typically is I go back to my office to reclaim that thought process because that thought process was anchored in my office. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about more examples of pattern interrupts. One of our listeners, Shell, posted this in our Facebook group, uh, the Align Self Podcast Listeners Facebook group. Has anyone started breaking their habitual habits by doing things differently? I started by switching the hand I use for different tasks. I brush my teeth with the opposite hand, and it was very strange. I make coffee with my left. It didn't feel right. Any other ideas or suggestions? Is there one thing that has shaken things up more than others for you? So I thought this was an excellent question. And I was going to answer this question, but I, I really wanted other people to jump in and give feedback. And so rather than answer the question on the Facebook page, I started writing down different ideas. And in short order, I had a hundred different pattern interrupts. And then I began categorizing them because I realized, you know what? I've never sat down and actually categorized the pattern interrupts. You know, in what situations do they occur? And I came up with eight or nine. The ninth one is a little iffy, but a good solid eight different categories in which pattern interrupts can occur. And then I have examples in each of those. Now, I'm not going to sit here and talk about all 90 different pattern interrupts. I'll list the different categories, and then I'll give you some ideas about different pattern interrupts that can occur inside that category. And then hopefully, by me giving you some examples, it will spur your creative mind to generate even more pattern interrupts. Now, just to revisit the purpose and benefit of pattern interrupts is it brings you into the present moment. You can become aware of the pattern on a more conscious level. You can choose to reinforce it. You can just be in the meditation of it. Or you can actually begin making conscious choices about changing it. If we have a habitual pattern and we interrupt it on a consistent basis, that habit will not play the same ever again. You see, many times in my coaching conversations, people bring me a presenting problem. They start talking about their problem and you can see as they talk about their problem or their challenge, whatever is there before them, you can see the look on their face. You can see their nonverbal communication that they are actively stepping into this problem state. They're feeling defeated. And so typically what I will do is I might crack a joke or I'll say, I don't quite understand. Could you explain it a different way in order to interrupt that pattern? And I'll do it again. It really is valuable to start laughing about your problem. Start laughing about what's going on or crack a joke about it. That begins interrupting that pattern. And then we can leverage on it and we can shift it and change it much faster. So hopefully at this point, you have a working definition of what a pattern interrupt is. Like I suggested in the past episode, you know, I could brush my teeth with a different hand, my non-dominant hand. I wash a different part of my body once I step into the shower. I might start with cold and finish with a warm shower. Or if I typically take a warm shower, I'll finish with cold water. My morning routine frequently involves a cup of coffee. And what I usually do is I add a little bit of coconut oil or MCT oil and then some almond milk and I blend it up. But then, just to shake things up, I'll vary it. Sometimes I drink it black. Sometimes I use just the coconut oil. Sometimes I don't add the coconut oil. Sometimes I'll use a pat of grass-fed butter. 
I do this because I realized that I had fallen into the the pattern of drinking my coffee exactly the same way every time. And that was at a time when I would actually add three teaspoons of sugar. And so you're only limited by your imagination. So hopefully as I proceed, I'm going to stimulate your imagination. So first category is a contrast method, actually contrasting what's going on. And Shell spoke to some of that by using your non-dominant hand, doing the opposite. I've talked about how I respond when someone asks, how am I doing? I used to say for a long time when I was younger, pretty good, okay. But now I say, great, fantastic, phenomenal. But don't worry, I'm getting better every day. That response not only interrupts my pattern, no matter wherever I was, because I start out at awesome and I plan to get better, but it also typically interrupts the person's pattern of asking, how's it going? My response to them in this non-traditional way is a way to elicit a positive response on their end. But some other suggestions around this is typically when we put pants on, we put the same foot in the same leg every time. Reverse it. I love that line from Willy Wonka. It's near the end of the film, and Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder, says so much time and so little to do. He's, whoops, strike that, reverse it. And so strike that, reverse it, has you change things around in a way where it changes the pattern. If I happen to say something, happen to, and it's so infrequent now because I've done this so often, but if I happen to say something that is less than positive, I'll say strike that, reverse it. If you catch yourself in a negative internal dialogue, and when you catch yourself, you want to interrupt that pattern, do anything that's different. One thing you can do is immediately take on the role that you're the most positive person in the world. If, I, you know, if I'm criticizing my behavior or my performance, I'll snap out of it and say, Daniel, you're amazing. You're getting better all the time. You are so smart. You're so fantastic. Your behavior is just amazing. And so this is a contrast. Another way I've used this is when I've had a, a route to work, when I worked somewhere else, I often would change the route. I'd leave a little early and I'd take an alternate route. I'd take different roads. I had at least five different ways I could get to work. Some were faster, some were slower. And at least five different ways I could get home from work. And then also I would vary the time I would leave. I'd leave 15 minutes earlier. I'd leave 30 minutes later. All to avoid different uh, traffic patterns. And, you know, that's an interesting point. All these traffic patterns are there because people typically leave at the same time. They have a pattern in which they move through and predictably and reliably you encounter traffic the same time, the same point along your journey because you're meeting everybody else that are, that's trapped or, or a slave to their patterns. Remember, this is a category of contrast. Let's say that you have a predictable way of being when you go to a party or you engage in a social interaction. And maybe you're more reticent. Maybe you don't necessarily burst out as an extroverted person. You hold back. You wait for things to warm up. Well, one of the things that you can do is different. What would be the opposite of that? You'd get excited. You'd go and you you introduce yourself first. You take on the attitude that you're the host. 
You're not a guest, you're the host. So you're going to introduce yourself to people, welcome them to the party, so glad you could make it. If you see someone you don't know or you haven't met yet, you walk over to them and you tell them, you look really interesting to me as someone I should know. My name is Daniel, what's yours? And they respond, my name's Jack. Before you know it, you're asking them questions about their life, what they do, and then someone walks by and you say, excuse me, Jack, I want to introduce you to a, a friend of mine. And you say, Jack, this is, oh, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. Your name escapes me. I think I should know it. Remind me what it is. And they tell you what their name is. Before you know it, you're introducing it everyone. This is in stark contrast to how you would typically be at a party. You're adopting a different role, a different persona, a different set of actions. If you're in traffic and your habitual response is to swear and cuss at people that might cut you off, start saying, God bless you. I hope you make it to your destination on time and safely. And you can add to that, obviously, they had to go somewhere faster or it was more important to where you're going. Okay, I could go on and on in here, but category two, you could consider it as environmental alterations. In other words, changing your environment. Now, if you're predominantly in an office, make time to go out into the park or go out into nature. One of my pattern interrupts here at home is if I spend a lot of time in my office, if I've sequestered myself in here, I'll get up, go outside, and walk barefoot on the ground. And I've talked about grounding before. It changes the polarity in your body. You can begin changing your environment. Let's say I work predominantly in my office, but sometimes I'll go to the coffee shop and I'll take over a table there. Or I'll go to the library. I'll go to a study room, take over the room there. I'll spread all my stuff out on a big table and I'll write all over the dry erase board and I'll have a day of it. And invariably, it stimulates my mind in a new way because I'm in a different environment. As I sit here in my office, I'm right on the precipice. I'm right on the, the cliff of change of moving everything around. And so that's another thing that you can do is you can change the setting, change your furniture around. Sometimes we do this during spring cleaning when we're, we rearrange all the furniture, put the couch in a different spot, put the chair in a different spot. Sometimes we can't do that because there are space constraints or our furniture fits in the house in a particular way. And there's little opportunity to vary it. But we, there's another thing that we can do. If you can't really vary your environment too much, you can do what a lot of people are doing here at Christmas time. They start decorating for the season. This works best if you have a place to store different articles, different things in the attic of your garage or some storage area where you actually can change a lot of the things, the artifacts that are displayed from season to season. I had a friend of mine who's an artist friend. She put up specific things in spring. She had a butterfly collection. She had different flowers that she put out, some different paintings. She changed a lot of the artifacts to go with the season. And then once summer came around, she changed everything around again. And then fall, it had a fall theme. More of the, you know, fall colors, autumn colors. And then in winter, it was a completely different setup. Another way to use this category or inject a pattern interrupt in this category of environment 
Do you have a particular place you tend to rest in when you start resting? In other words, do you have a particular spot in the house that you tend to sit? Is it a chair? Is it on the couch? Is it a particular place on the couch? Well, sit in a different spot. I tend to sit at one end of the couch, and then every now and then I'll sit in the easy chair. And then other times, my wife and I will sit together. I'll lean back on one end, and she'll lay her back against my chest, and I get to give her a hug as we sit there and watch TV. Another thing you can do in your environment is to provide yourself with different options for lighting, different lamps, different fixtures, so you can vary the intensity of the light, subdue the light at different times, and shift your feelings. You can actually induce more relaxation by softening the lights. Today, you can find strips of LED lights. They're almost like Christmas lights or holiday lights that you can put underneath the countertops, put around your bed, put around different paintings, behind TVs. People are using them in imaginative ways, and you can vary the color with a little remote. Lighting is an incredible way to shift your mood, shift your state. And then there's music. You can put on dance music, start dancing around the house, embarrass the kids, or get them to dance with you. It changes their state. Or you can put on classical music, meditation music, country music, opera, heavy metal, disco, rhythm and blues. You can play music from your young adulthood, from your teen years. You're usually listening to upbeat and positive music then that changes your state, makes you feel better. And so if you're like me and in your in your fifth and sixth decade, you play music from when you were in your 20s, mentally and emotionally, you are somewhat transported back in time. Music is a very powerful anchor. We won't really talk about anchors in this episode, but you can think of it as a button or a trigger that changes your state. And speaking of music as an anchor, a powerful anchor is smell, aroma. And so you can use scented candles, you can use incense, you can use diffusers, or you can use essential oils. It was interesting, we were getting this stuff out for Christmas and putting up different things, and there was some pine cones that had been treated with cinnamon oil. And Schuyler said, it smells like Christmas. Well, again, I could talk and extend these different pattern interrupts even more than I am, And I realize I'm going to have to move along and get into some of the other categories so I have enough time to at least address all of them. The next category is behavioral adjustments, interruptions to behavior. And in some way, we've already talked about that. When you do the opposite thing, use the opposite hand, that's shifting your behavior. Now, one thing I didn't talk about that is really interesting is most people can tie their shoes relatively quickly, unconsciously, And you do it the same way every time. So I would suggest doing it the opposite. However you start your bow, do it in the opposite way. And then if you make your first loop typically on the right, make it on the left. And reverse the process, it will instantly bring you into the present moment and it will feel totally awkward. And this awkward feeling is actually an indicator that you are stepping outside your pattern. You're actually interrupting the pattern because it doesn't feel familiar. You can do the same thing with crossing your arms or bringing your hands together and clasping them in front of you and crossing your thumbs. And then reverse the crossing of the thumbs. If you, When you bring them together, your left thumb is on top of your right. Change it to where your left thumb is underneath your right. 
And that feels weird, feels different. If you cross your arms a particular way, strike that, reverse it. So this is part of behavioral adjustments. You can change your morning routine. You can get up 15 minutes earlier, uh, meditate, take a shower first, or if you go get coffee, or just change the pattern of events or the order of events to inflect that there is a difference going on here. If the menu at home is fairly predictable, you can actually create some variances and try new dishes, new recipes. You can order out and eat in. If you go to a restaurant and you go to the same restaurant on a regular basis, eat something different on the menu. Try different restaurants. Try different food genres. Try things that you haven't tried before. When I talked about creating a revolution for my life, I did all this stuff. You can change how you get around places. For instance, sometimes I need to go to the store. My wife asked me to pick something up. It's a small item. It's maybe one item. And so a mile from here is a Walmart, neighborhood Walmart. And then about a little over a half a mile away is a Kroger. So depending on how energetic I feel, I'll walk instead of drive. What a concept. Or I'll ride a bike. So I just changed my mode of transportation it's kind of like changing how you get from here to there or the path that you take, the, the route that you take. Another fun thing to do, especially with the kids, is to have a day of silence. No one can talk. You have to pantomime all your requests, all everything that you're saying, and pantomime or sign language. Use nonverbal communication in order to get your point across. Along that line, you can have one night a week of zero TV. No TV. Kids either have to read, or you read, or you listen to music. Or you can substitute that TV night for a game night. In the previous episode, I talked about going for a walk, interrupting whatever I was doing, and just going for a brisk walk and coming back to it. Now, another idea is if you've had something on your plate or on your agenda to start, to to work on, but you've been holding back, you've been procrastinating, because as you think about it, it just seems like so much to do. Just commit to 15 minutes of it. I'm just going to do 15 minutes of it. And you can't do any more than that unless you feel enlivened, unless you feel like you're really into it at the end of the 15 minutes. And so you commit to 15 minutes. Category number four, you could term cognitive strategies. You can sit down and write five things that you're thankful for, things that are on your gratitude list. You can sit and watch your thoughts. And this is what a a big pattern interrupt really does is it allows you to watch your thoughts. You can tell a new story, tell a different story. If there is a predictable way things happen and you have a predictable response to that, which is usually not that positive, you can tell a new story about it. If you say something always happens, challenge yourself to find one exception, one exception to the rule and then say, well, I guess it doesn't always happen. There was this time. If you get up in the morning and things around the house are typically chaotic, then you create a new story. Things are amazing. We're going to have an amazing day. I love how everyone is dressed and on time and in a good mood. Even if they're not, even though they don't appear to be in a good mood, you can ask them, what's one thing that you're creating today? What's one thing that they learned? You can ask that when they get home. Tell me one new thing that they learned. You can ask yourself this at the end of the day. What today did I learn? What did I do different? Did I get the things done on my list that I wanted to do? And no matter what you did, pat yourself on the back. Fantastic job, Daniel. 
I'm going to challenge you to do one more thing tomorrow than you did today. Another pattern interrupt is to actually sit down and meditate for five minutes, take a meditation break, or sit down and allow yourself to breathe deeply for three to five deep breaths. Another thing that you can do with your loved one, if you're engaged in a routine, things seem kind of routine, you can ask them, remember when we first met, what was one thing that really stuck out in your mind about me? What was one of your most favorite moments? Or when did you know that we would probably be something more? The last thing I'll talk about at this time about the cognitive aspect of it is challenging your assumptions. What are you assuming is true about this? Is this always the way you do it? Could you, is there a different way to do it? Is there a different approach? Maybe you need to learn something differently. Sometimes we have this belief that I can't fold a fitted sheet. So you watch a YouTube video and discover and learn how do you fold a fitted sheet? And then you feel confident about it. It's, you want to tell everyone, I can fold a fitted sheet. Category number five is changing your social interactions. Hang out with different people. Hang out with people that are antithetical to you, that think different things, believe different things. Have coffee at a different place. Have, you know, strike a conversation up with people. Get to know them. Go visit your neighbors. Maybe you'll bake some cookies or pick up some cookies or take them a little treat. Go knock on the door. I picked this up for you and I thought you would enjoy it. And then introduce yourself. Exchange phone numbers. Exchange social media handles. Another social activity you can do is volunteer. Volunteer at a charity. Now, I have to tell you, during the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, a lot of people get this idea and all these organizations that could use volunteers are inundated with too many volunteers. They can't manage them. So pick other times of the year where more than likely people are not assisting. Another thing that is powerful and changes your state is random acts of kindness. One can adopt the attitude to look for opportunities to be kind to people, go out of your way for people, and just be a part of who you are. Sometimes we can engage an entire day. I'm going to go out and seek people in order to be kind to, to spread random acts of kindness. Now, they're not random to you because you're developing a pattern. They're random to other people because more than likely you're going to interrupt their day by being kind. Okay, let's move on. Category number six are creative distractions, creative interventions. Something I like to do from time to time is I'll sit down and color in a coloring book. Actually get the Crayolas out and I'll color something and I'll take my time. I'll be involved in it. It's a meditation. I have a friend that created a whole book of mandalas that allow you for adult coloring. But the nice thing I like about coloring books is an even different way to interrupt a pattern, interrupt my thinking, is I'll start using colors that are non-traditional. I'll start, you know, the skin color is going to be purple. Hair color is going to be green. If I'm a perfectionist and I like to color inside the lines, I will purposely color outside the lines. And like I said, I will use non-traditional colors in order to kind of shock my system. It shouldn't be that color, but it is. I colored it that way. I created it. Another creative act engage in is journaling. Actually commit to journal every day for the next week. It doesn't have to be forever. Just for the next week. You can do a diary of every day. What were you feeling? What were your sensations? 
How did the day start? How did it end? What was predictable? What happened that was unexpected? An addendum to this or a a variation of this is to do a food journal. Actually record everything that you eat for a week. If you've had an unconscious relationship with food, creating a food journal and actually documenting, detailing everything that you eat, everything that you take into your body brings a whole new awareness to it. Something else you can do is improvisational dance. Pick a genre of music you don't typically dance to or don't typically listen to and make up some new moves. Move your body in response to, and I'm moving in my seat right now, Move, and I'm imagining the music. So you can move your body in new ways and it's going to change things. Speaking of moving your body in new ways, you can move your eyes in different ways. You see, your eyeballs are actually an extension of your brain. They're connected to the optic nerve. It's a direct path to your brain. And so your eyes are actually an extension of your brain. They sit outside of your skull for the most part. So by moving your eyes around, looking at, like looking all the way up and then all the way to the side, say to the right, and then all the way down, and then all the way to the side again, the left, like you're making a circle all around the perimeter of your eyeballs, you're going to feel some strain You're going to because you haven't worked those muscles the same way. You're also going to activate different areas of your brain because we tend to look up and to the left to access visual remembered, you know, memories. We look down and to the right to access our feelings, down and to the left to have that internal dialogue. We look in specific places to access different parts of our brain. So kind of rolling your eyes around is a, and you can get dizzy doing this, so I warn you, do it slowly. But rolling your eyes around can change the access to your brain, can revive things. You can tap on your body in different places. I could go on and on of all the different ways we can interrupt your state, interrupt your thinking, shift things in a new way. Category number seven are temporal or time adjustments. You can go to the gym in the morning if you typically go in the afternoon. Go in the afternoon if you typically go in the morning. You can take a day off and not do anything. Actually decide to sleep all day long. Rest. And you might be saying, I don't have the time to do that. There's no way I can do that. Who's going to clean the house? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Well, that means you must take a day off. You must at least half the day off is just for you. Sequester yourself off in a room, go somewhere off-site, you know, away from the house, turn over the keys, turn over the controls to your significant other or to one of the responsible children and say, today, it's not my job. Another thing I like to do is speed up and slow down. Sometimes I'll move in extremely slow motion. I'll make my cup of coffee that way, or I'll eat that way. I've eaten an entire bowl of popcorn one kernel at a time. One kernel at a time to practice mindfulness. I've also eaten popcorn with chopsticks. Now you can do the opposite of that and speed up. Move 10% faster. Move throughout your day 10% faster. Talk 10% faster. Just move through your day 10% faster. Put your clothes on. Take a shower. Just 10% faster. The other thing we can do as far as time is alter when we get up and when we go to bed. We can get up 15 minutes earlier or an hour earlier and go to bed earlier. Go to bed earlier than you need to. 
Now, sometimes people don't think that they can fall asleep or they wait until they can't hold their eyes open any longer before they go to bed. So just go through your routine. Start going to bed earlier, lay there, meditate, breathe deeply, go to bed an hour earlier than you typically do. Or if you're someone that wakes up in the middle of the night, perhaps you could practice multiphasic sleep. Let's say you wake up after three or four hours of sleep. Instead of laying there saying, I can't fall asleep, get up and do something productive. Stay up for an hour or two and then go back to bed. Many times, this has been my experience, many times when you go back to bed, you sleep more soundly and deeper than you did at the front end of your sleep cycle. Another pattern interrupt to your life in regards to time is every six weeks plan a short adventure. You go to the country, you go to another city, you go somewhere else. It is an adventure. Maybe you'll spend, maybe, maybe you'll spend the night somewhere maybe you want. Maybe it's a day trip, you come back. Spontaneous road trips is another thing where you leave the house and there is no agenda. You don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know what you're going to do. The whole goal is to follow your intuition, to have an adventure of the spirit. And now category eight, this is the last category that I'm going to talk about today. I probably have created two more and there's at least a dozen more things I can do in each of these categories or a dozen more suggestions of what you can do. But I think I've given you enough creative fodder to where you can actually start creating things on your own. You get the gist, you get the jive of it. So category number eight is sensory experiences. I think I did a podcast episode early on, it's like in the first dozen episodes about leading a sensual life. And so what are some of the interruptions to the ordinary that we can create here? Blindfolded taste testing. You can do this with kids. You can do, like, you have a variety of things that are on the table. They get to taste it blindfolded. You can do this with your lover, with your significant other. One of the things I did when I first learned NLP was I was introduced to kinesthetic sensation. I was primarily visual and auditory. I wasn't that in touch with my feelings. And so one way to get out of that, I modeled a kinesthetic person. One of the things they did is they touched and felt all the different textures, all the different clothing as they were shopping. And so I started doing that as well. I started feeling the different textures of material in the store. Now make sure your hands are clean, please. Which leads me to another one. Take five to 15 minutes to wash your hands. Wash them thoroughly. Do it in slow motion. Actually feel, become present of your hands rubbing against each other. Are they really, really clean? You might even take a brush and clean them that way. Another thing that's not necessarily, I guess, accessible to everyone is a sound bath. Find a sound practitioner that does gongs or different tuning forks or singing bowls, crystal bowls, and immerse yourself in a sound bath. It will shift your entire state. It's an interruption to the ordinary, to be sure. And speaking of bath, you can take a bath. If you don't typically take a bath, immerse yourself in a long soak in the tub. Do the bubble bath, do the bath oils, do the fragrances, the candles. Set up the scenario. And if you're a man, I especially encourage you to do this. It is something is not normally on your radar, but if you take the time to actually soak in a warm tub 
or even in an ice bath. If you really want to be tough, do it in an ice bath and only spend about three minutes in the bath. We don't want you to become sick with hypothermia. One thing that I did back in 1988, when it was Revolution 88, is I went to a sensory deprivation tank. And I did that a couple times. And if you don't know what that is, is basically you're floating in a very salt-saturated solution. So you just bob on the surface. The temperature of the water is about 93 degrees, which is the temperature of your skin. And then it's enclosed. It's dark, soundproof. And so you deprive your senses of any stimulation. It's so dark, you can't see your hand in front of you. It's so quiet, you can't hear anything but your own thoughts. And then after about five minutes, because the water is the same temperature as your skin, you're not aware of where your skin ends and the water begins. That first experience, I was so aware of just how noisy my mind was. It did not shut up. What else could you do? You could hug a tree. You can walk in nature, actually be present to the different textures, the different leaves. Now be aware of what is poison ivy and what is not poison ivy, what is potentially irritating to the skin and what's not. Just about every plant system has a predatory aspect to it because it needs to survive. And again, these sensory activities, these sensory pattern interrupts, you're only limited by your imagination. So I'm going to leave you with one more category, and that's technology. And I'm only going to give you a couple suggestions in here. And one is unplug. Spend one day a week unplugged from all your devices, nothing electronic, no TV, no computer, no phone. And if you can't do that for an entire day, do it for half the day. Start you know, interrupting your pattern. If your phone is one of the first things you reach for in the morning... Don't do it until 10 o'clock. Don't do it until an hour after you get up. Wait at least 30 minutes. Delayed gratification. And that's another pattern interrupt. If you tend to, you know, eat something immediately or at a particular time, delay doing that. If you're a smoker and you typically, when you get the urge, when you get the cue, you, you pick up a cigarette, delay that action. Delay it for 10 minutes. Just say, I'm going to delay it for 10 minutes. You're not denying yourself that activity. You're not denying that cigarette. You're not denying whatever you typically engage in. It's just that you're holding off. You're exercising conscious control. Now, as I sum all this up, I mentioned it earlier on, like halfway in between, that a lot of these activities, a lot of these pattern interrupts are going to feel uncomfortable. They're going to feel unnatural. They're not familiar. And we are are creatures of habit. We tend to acquiesce to habitual patterns, familiar ways of being. When we first begin a shift, when we first, you know, take on new behavior, it does not feel natural. It's not part of the framework. It's not part of the system yet. And so it will feel as if you're engaging in something different. That's okay. Stick with it. It's not supposed to feel natural yet. You see, as a biological organism, as a human being, we tend to rest at a place called homeostasis, which is quote-unquote normal for us. Now, on a biological level, we need to live in a range of its homeostasis of normalcy, otherwise we will die. But behaviorally, we can really push the boundaries. That range of homeostasis, that quote-unquote normal behavior, is the comfort zone. That is the realm of the familiar. It's the realm of the known. And anything that is beyond that is tends to be in the realm of the unknown. It's unpredictable. 
and typically slightly uncomfortable because it's not familiar. So the whole goal of this is what I call the art of living dangerously. And that is learn to feel comfortable feeling a little uncomfortable. Not a lot uncomfortable, a little uncomfortable. Keep pushing the boundaries of your comfort zone. Pushing the boundaries of the known. And before you know it, you'll be experiencing life in a whole new way. There's more variety, more taste. Well, this is one thing I wanted to talk about, and I completely forgot about it. As you age, time tends to move faster and faster. It's almost like, I can't believe it's already almost Christmas time. And people all around the world will tell you over and over again, time speeds up as you get older. Why is that? I have a theory. And that is because we are creatures of habit. Our day-to-day does not vary in routine, does not vary in activity very, very much. We tend to do the same things day in, day out. So one day seems to be just like all the others. So when you do these things like intermittent fasting or taking a day off or having little adventures here and there, having a day where you unplug from technology, these are interruptions to the mundane and the ordinary, interruptions to your everyday. Journaling, keeping a diary also sets each and every day apart because you have a written record. What happened this day? What happened that day? And actually ask yourself, what was different today than was yesterday? If you can't say very much, then you want to start interrupting the routine, interrupting the pattern. So until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. I'm saying it a little bit different. And so I invite you to engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 